Welcome to today's podcast. This is through the Scottish Farm Advisory Service. My name is Kirsten Williams and in this podcast today we're going to hear from a successful new entrant who has been very lucky along with his family to gain access into a tenancy. So I'd really like to welcome our guest for today, Andrew Jardin, um, who farms at very nicely named New Farm down at Beatock. Welcome, Andrew. And can you tell us just a little bit about your farm? Hi, Kirsten. Yep, of course. Um, New Farm, it's a grassland-based farm, 98 hectares, 242 acres on Crown Estate, Scotland, on their Applegirth Estate. We're just a, a few miles south of Moffat, right on the side of the M74 motorway. Um, the farm itself, it's it's a rolling countryside. Um, it's probably been unloved for a, a good number of years. Um, so we've, it's it's all down in grassland of of varying uh, sort of quality. <laughs> um, so we're, uh, we're we've set to improving that. Um, it's quite well shedded for the number of acres. Um, there's there's one big shed, there's a cubicle shed, and there's a nice, another nice uh, steel frame shed. So um, it's well shedded, um, which has allowed us to sort of kind of look at other enterprises as well. Uh, we gained the tenancy at the end of August in 2019. Then the first, our first plan was to establish a sheep flock. But just to help cash flow, what we did in the first instance was buy store lambs last year and we decided that we would run store lambs and get rid of them in sort of February time and then buy in lamb ewes. So maybe not the, okay. a perfect way of doing it, but we just felt it would uh, help our cash flow uh, and it, it did do that job. Uh, to utilise some of the sheds, we took in dairy heifers for bed and breakfast. There was a, there was a stock of silage on the farm that we sort of paid as ingoings, eh, eh, incomings. Um, and so we took in 90 black and white heifers last winter, which uh, that was, a again, a great help to the cash flow over the, the winter months. Um, so it is. Um, is the dairy heifer something that you'll, you'll plan to keep going with? Or have you got other plans for the sheds? We, uh, a bit of both. Uh, we've, uh, I've spoke the guys, the chap that sent, well, I actually had two, I had two farmers in last winter with heifers. So one, one was building a new dairy shed that wasn't ready. So this winter he won't have the same need for young stock away from home. But the, the other chap, he's, he's going to bring back 60 heifers. So we're taking him back again this year. We're just, we've got silage ground shut off just now. And we are also about to start calf, uh, doing some calf rearing um, as part of a dairy beef supply chain with a, a large beef finisher okay. and a supermarket contract. So will that be like a cooperative type of agreement then? It will be, yes. Yep, and it's it can be, there can be varying levels of well, not commitment, that's the wrong word. There's varying ways, there's different ways of doing it. Um, initially, the calves will be owned by the finisher and we'll just be getting paid for our, our labour and our facilities and he'll supply the calves and all the inputs. However, over time, he is quite keen for the, the calf rearer to actually own the livestock 
um, as it, it gives a bit, okay. puts a bit more on more on you to to make it work even better uh, if you actually own the stock. So um, as as cash flow improves or or we'll get, you get cash built up, you have the option of actually buying the stock and and then selling the stock when they, they go on to the next stage. That's that's a fantastic way when you're just starting like. A you got into the farm just under a year ago. I'm sure, as all new entrants say, that cash is always <laughs> the the struggle or the hard thing to get a hold of or enough of at the start. So having a an enterprise that that has effectively a low a low risk for cash that must be a huge win for you guys. Absolutely, and it and it, it's utilising the farm buildings and the the yows. We've actually we've bought Easy Care yows, um, so. We can utilise the buildings for the calf rearing and the, the heifer wintering, whilst the ground isn't really required for that. So we can we can grow our own sheep flock on the ground. Yeah, yeah. And you you said that the ground was unloved. What is your plans for making it more loved? <laughs> um, a blank check would help my, my loving on the ground, but uh, it's, uh, <laughs> we're just it's one step at a time. So we've. We we really hammered it with uh, the lambs, and we actually took on extra extra sheep winterers as well, just to basically try and get as much of the old grass off it over the winter. Because the farm lay empty from about oh, well, there wasn't a lot of stock on it the last good number of years for the acres, and it lay empty from last or Christmas two thousand and eighteen to end of August nineteen. So it was a, a bit of a jungle. So we, we, the first plan of attack was just trying to tidy the place, get the grass down and, and see what was at the bottom. So we managed that. Um, a lot of harrowing this spring, um, a lot of topping, uh, a lot of rashes on the farm. On first inspections, I was thinking it was wet holes and burst drains, which there are plenty of those. But as we've sort of or got to know the farm, a lot of the rashes, it's it's just, it's not, it's the pigs are growing everywhere just because the, the farm hasn't been sort of grazed intensively. There was a lot of fences down, but the estate yeah. were very good at um, reinstating a lot of fences for us before we come in. And now we've got a lot of the rashes topped down. The fields are not that wet. So I'm hoping that with a bit of grazing management, a bit of liming, and uh, we seem to have spent a lot of money on chemical so far on uh, for spraying rashes and uh, docks and thistles um, hopefully we'll get on top of it so my, my thinking initially was to to keep topping to keep spraying um, just to try and clean up the weed problem uh, well we're meaning to start uh well we meant to start a liming program this spring but uh, <laughs> we still had half the store lambs on the farm uh, on the day of the lockdown when the lamb price crashed so oh, no. yeah so it was a wee bit of a I was a, a bit of an anxious sort of week that week because I, I thought I'd uh, I thought I'd well from the week before thinking that would luck had come our way I thought would uh, blown it sort of thing but uh, so basically I put on hold the line and things like that until I saw what the lamb trade was doing and then we came out of it not too bad not as good as it was looking but not too bad so hopefully um, after we've got silage off and things like that, um, the plan is to start some lime in this back end and, uh, and then yeah. just try and bring it up because there was nothing. We, we tested the fields and as we came in, there was no pHs above five and a half. 
Um, on the plus side, there was nothing below five, <laughs> but uh, there was nothing over five and a half. With uh, with all and an investment in lime, an investment in lime is something that is will pay you back as well. You know, it's it's not dead money by any by any no, means. Oh, absolutely, and I can see it already because um, looking at the silage fields, they're, they're very slow, and it's frustrating because that any farms I've worked on in the past, you spread slurry, you spread fertilizer, and silage grows. We spread slurry, we spread fertilizer, and uh, the silage is very slow. <laughs> so yeah, I know it's um, ah yeah, and as, as the stock numbers grow, um, there, there's more cash in the in the system to to help speed that process up. Um, we also we've put on yeah. three hundred ton of an ash byproduct as well, so it's it comes from a, a power station in West Cumbria, um, so it's it's very high in potash obviously, and it does actually have a have a calcium benefit to it, um, not as good as lime, but it does help as well. So that product itself it's actually free for the taking. So we basically you apply for a SEPA license, they come in soil sample again, and you apply for a SEPA license, uh, so we managed to get 300 tonne of that spread last back end as well. That is an opportunity you could not say no to then if it's free, definitely absolutely, not. Absolutely, and uh, you can't use it indefinitely because it has a reasonably high magnesium content, so you have got to watch, you can't just go daft with it, but um, f from the level that we are starting it, I think it's uh, it'll be a great, uh, a great thing up our sleeve uh, for a couple of years, certainly. Good. And what what made you get into farming? What made you apply for the farm? Like what 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 is it about farming that really excites you? <laughs> it's a uh, well, I, I was I grew up on a, a family beef and sheep farm, but um, my my family sort of gave up the tenancy when I was thirteen. Um, so I think they possibly thought I was going to. I wasn't daft at school, so I think they possibly thought I was going to be a brain surgeon or something like that. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> live a nice lifestyle but it just never left me um, even throughout secondary school I, I went and did lamins and Easter holidays I relief milked at my uncles and summers were spent uh, I, helping out in silage jobs and things like that so I left school I stayed on until school till I was 18 um, and then I actually worked at an agriculture engineers for a, 18 months and then that was when I sort of moved into the the feed and nutrition industry. Um, I started working in a feed mill for a couple of years and then I progressed on to feed sales, um, where I basically I've spent most of my working life in, in nutrition. Um, also in the background of relief milk at the same farm for about 12 years now, usually took holidays for lamins and things like that. So I, I don't know, it just it never left me farming and yeah, I was always adamant that uh, I wanted to, to get my teeth back into something. So it's been a lot of patience waiting, um, but uh, we've got there in the end. Um, so, yeah. And did you, did you apply for a lot of tenancies before you got the breakthrough with New Farm? Um, or were you on seasonal grazing? Or what was the journey into New Farm? No, it's um, basically um, we were very... Oh, it just it worked out really well. It was the first formal application for a, a tenancy um, was, was New Farm. I'd been in contact both in writing and on the phone to where, where we live near Lockerbie. I lived near Lockerbie. It's surrounded by local estates. So um, 
on numerous occasions I was in contact with them looking for any opportunities um, as you said land with sheds not necessarily a house just anything to get started but um, aye unfortunately nobody was uh, some of the states had been had been bitten with bad tenants and and uh, in the past so they, they weren't looking at it other states were taking land back in hand to farm so so we didn't formally apply for any but um but uh, yeah i was certainly on the radar for a few states down here but wasn't really getting there uh, anywhere quick we didn't actually have any stock um, before we, we took on new farm um just the way our lifestyles were between our full-time jobs other work we're doing uh, things like that um yeah, just I just didn't see where we had the time to to squeeze in sort of the because it would take a lot of time running about the countryside to different blocks of land. So, um, aye, so no, it was just we waited till we actually had it a was bit having of a young family. Yes, aye, yeah, we yeah, just felt having young family another aspect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a base camp was always the was always the the aim to start with, and then grow it from there. Yeah, and how how did you find the actual application process and the interview process? Um, it, it was, yep, very. Uh, it was it was enjoyable. Whilst it was, uh, we were quite nervous and uh, not worried, but I uh, nervous and anxious about it. It was uh, it was good. It was a great process, and and as we were doing it, we were, we were taking the positives that uh, it was a good process. Even if we hadn't been successful, it would. It was a great process to go through for anything else we would we would go for in the future. Um, so yeah, it was the local um, agents in Dumfries that were dealing with it, um, and yeah, everything was. Um, it seemed to happen very quickly. Um, one, it was advertised, and then there was a closing date for applications, and then basically they drew up the shortlist fairly quickly. So um, it was. We did. We live in relatively local. We knew the farm was going to be coming vacant, and uh, it seemed to take an eternity for it to actually be advertised. So um, <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah. uh, just it was. We had to be, you had to be very patient just to wait on everything sort of coming to the, the market sort of thing. But other than that, it was it was very good. And the interviews, the actual the Crown Estate Scotland, they they brought in a. A get a sort of guest person to join the interviews. Uh, another farmer that didn't have any affiliation to the Crown Estate Scotland or Savills. So it was actually quite nice just having somebody totally neutral there as well. And and somebody who could talk farmer talk was probably quite nice as well. Quite reassuring. It was yes, yep. Um, because obviously we had our, our business plan and our budgets there, and um, not that anybody's out to try and catch you, but. It does you good as well if somebody can challenge your figures a little bit, and it, it, an interview. I it does feel as if you, you are getting questioned and challenged, but it, I wasn't sure how it, how I came across at the time. But uh, we had answers for all the questions, and uh, yeah, so it was a it was a good process. I, I did enjoy it actually. And what what do you think was you guys winning formula? What why do you think you stood out from the rest of them? Um. <laughs> I don't know. I think uh, my wife Suzanne and I. I think we're a. I think we're a good team. I think uh, we've both got different qualities, but we we do complement each other. So hope, 
I'm guessing that must have come across to them uh, how it goes. Um, we made some scones at the interview as well, but nobody touched them till after the interview, so we were worried that uh, we'd maybe offended them. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, did, they, did they come to you for the interview rather yes. than you going to them? Yes. No, I we were uh, we'd never heard of that before, but um, they drew up the shortlist and they informed us that they would come and visit us at home for the interview. So we didn't expect that, but it was actually it it was a lot. It kept there's a lot calmer um, because they were they were in our territory sort of thing rather than us sitting in a in a boardroom somewhere um, so yeah no it was a I thought it was a good idea and it certainly made us feel a bit more at ease yeah make you feel comfortable and I suppose from their side they understand a bit more they you know they see how clean how tidy you are you know in a house to how you be in a farm and it probably gives them a lot of insight of about you that maybe wouldn't come over in a normal interview as well. So it's exactly it, it, yeah. it's a good way to do it. I, no, exactly. Um, and, and and they made no secret about it that that was part of the reasoning for doing it because it, they just physically want to drive up to the front of your house and uh, and see what the first impression is. Um, is the is the garden gate hanging off the the hinges? Is the weeds growing out the path, or or is it a, a tidy and respectable house? So um, yeah, after I suppose in hindsight you look at it and think, well, it's makes a lot of sense for them and it was actually what it worked out very well for us so good and like that's you've you've built up a massive amount of like there's a lot of stuff going on there and just like you went in in august 2019 we're now july 2020 you know you're just under the year yep. and you've done daily heifers you've had a cash crop of store lambs you've had you're buying in lamias and establishing a flock like you've you've done so much stuff in that short period of time like what what do you see yourself even in just three years time what what is the enterprise mix going to look like like what what's your dream what numbers do you want to get to what what makeup is the farm going to be right well um i suppose i've done quite a lot um I do go. I do go with the attitude that um, I'm not set to any one thing. Um, if I th- if I think there's a decision to be made, good or bad, uh, for a uh, to change for the better, I'll make it. I try not to farm. It's not easy, but I try not to farm with too much sentiment. Um, it, aye, it's a bit like uh, yeah, aye. So going forward, um, the. The goal, the aim of the goal, I, would, I prefer to call it a goal rather than a dream. Um, we want to be milking cows. So in, th- okay, right. in three years' time, I would like to be speaking to you and be milking some grass-based Jersey cows whilst also continuing with the calf rearing in one of the sheds. Okay, I wasn't quite expecting that. <laughs> That's uh, from going from sheep. I was, I was thinking you were. It was going to be increase the sheep for. Um, <laughs> That's, that's fantastic. And are you looking at uh, putting in a parlour, doing robots? Like, how how do you yep. how do you see it? Are you going to try and really embrace the, technology in the life? Obviously, um, cost cost with anything to do with dairy is the the big pro or the big uh, hurdle to get over. Um, so we, it would be basic, a basic, very basic milking parlour and uh, paddock system to start with. Um, 
I've worked with robots in the past when I worked at the Barony College. Um, I'm a big fan of robots in general, um, but I just the the farm doesn't lend itself to a, to a more sort of intensive system. Um, the type the, the type of terrain we've got it would it more suits itself to cows actually going out and grazing rather than trying to silage and bring everything in. So I think that's okay. that, that's the the reason. So to look towards a, a grass-based um, enterprise, um, and you can pick up a second-hand parlour, and you're talking, aye, you're still talking a reasonable investment. But you can, it's amazing what you can do on a tight budget um, if you just don't get look for yeah. anything too fancy. Um, it, and to us, what I, what we want to do is sort of maximise what the farm can do in the ten years. Um, it's a ten, it's a ten-year lease we've got. Um, and I'm hopeful that there'll be further opportunities with the Crown Estate Scotland in the future. But in my mind, we have to get the 240 acres up to speed. And um, for argument's sake, say there, was, there wasn't any available extra land available after 10 years. And there's only so many sheep we could run on that acreage. Um, so um, I, I have, I've always had a, a passion for dairying as well. So... Um, it seems logical for us to be to be looking at those options, and if we've got the commitment of being here to milk cows, it's not an extra work, or it's not a lot extra on the workload to to continue with the calvary on the enterprise in one of the buildings, um, because you're, it's, yeah, we would be here anyways. So, uh, and I think that would that would just be another sort of yeah, your, that would be your cash crop sort of thing. And you're in a fantastic kind of dairy area area of Scotland that you would have a, a lot of people around you that would would be there to help with their wisdom along the way and kind of mentor you. I'm sure. Yes, and um, and as much as uh, on a nice Sunday afternoon when you're trying to sit in the garden, the the, the M74 is literally just at the end of the first field. Um, that is a it's a lifeline for 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 any form of business. I would say is the is the transport links. Um, so. Basically, we've been in discussions with a milk buyer already. Um, not, not there's nothing imminent, but you have to know um, if somebody will be interested in you in the future. And basically, they he, he sort of asked. He said, "Oh, where are you?" And I said, "Oh, right beside the M74 near Moffat." And that, regardless of the number of cows and the liters of milk you're producing, the fact you're beside the motorway is a a big plus point for them. It must offer you opportunities thinking of diversification as well, just being so close to to transport and you're really not far away from some pretty major populations of folk. Have you thought about diversification at all? Um, I, su- I suppose we ha- we've maybe thought about it flippantly. Um, we've, we've not seriously sat down and, and crunched numbers or, or serious ideas, but there's been numerous occasions we've, we've basically stood in the field, looked at the motorway and thought, you could advertise anything here, um, and the, jun- the junction off the motorway is just a mile past us, um, and, and also you've got your main links to Dumfries as well, um, so you, uh, you've got links north and south and then to Dumfries all round about us, so we've not seriously looked at anything, but there, there is def- ah, there's definitely potential for, for the right idea, yeah. And just just picking up from something that you said earlier on in our um, chat was you spoke about an ingoing valuation. 
So yep. quite often when you take on a tenancy, you, you're paying for the ongoing valuation of it. If it's a manurial value, you know, the P&K in the soil, the lime, the silage, yes. was, was that manageable, your ingoing valuation as somebody without, you know, a borrowing history, a farming background? You know, was it quite, did we find it a challenge or was it quite easy being able to it, it, deal it, with finance? It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't too bad, Kirsten. It was, um, initially, it wasn't on the radar, so... When it, was, when it was sort of put in writing, it was a bit like, oh, well, we'll need to adjust our budget accordingly. Um, it wasn't too bad. Like, there was no there was no value put on... I think, basically, the previous tenant had spread any dung or slurry, so there was no dung or slurry to, to worry about. Um, there was just the heap of silage bales, and it wasn't analysed. It was basically the, the letting agents, they dealt with it, and they basically sold it at cost price. And... Arguably, you could possibly have made it cheaper, slightly cheaper yourself, but you had to bear in mind it was a contractor basically come in and and made the silage from start to finish. So it wasn't as if you could cheapen the job by by carting them in yourself or something like that. So I thought it was probably there and thereabouts. Um, for the quality of the silage, it was probably dear enough, but I don't doubt that's what the cost price would have been. You either buy, buy it at the start, you know, your... your and a, a better farm that's 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 more loved to either buy the value to go in or I think it, it almost feels better on yourself that you're going in in a sort of low level of nutrients and every improvement you're making yeah it's costing you but it's it's your improvement and it, it drives you almost doesn't it to see that that you've yes. improved it from how it did look the yield it did have to what it's got now I definitely well I've got I've just about got my first two fields that were a sea of rashes just about back to nothing but grass now and yeah oh, I, I, to see that that's what it's about and um, I, at the end of the day I suppose putting it bluntly if the farm had, was in tip top condition um, it might never have come to the market for a new entrant it, it may have been swallowed up or, or another use for it yes. uh, who knows so yeah, I, it's, it's an opportunity and regardless of the quality of it that was the main thing um, and plus, I think it, I think it'll allow us to hopefully cement our our uh, our case with the estate. Um, if they can see what we can do on a limited budget, I've got to say that it is a limited budget. Um, I hopefully they take more confidence in you when if they have got a a bigger uh, a bigger proposition for you in the future. So. And having having relationships with the likes of your landlord, your bank manager, you know these these people are key into the success of your business. Would you have any kind of um, top tip or word of encouragement for anybody else just just new in on how to kind of build relationships or how how to make sure that it's it's a positive relationship with these yeah. type of people? I think it, it, it's just um, be yourself um, and don't be. Don't be overpowering, I suppose, at times. Um, it, it is a relationship, so there's a bit of give and there's a bit of take. Um, aye, don't be overpowering, but don't be overpowered. I think that would be... I think that's a good a good footing to be. Um, and I think I think um, whether it be a, a bank manager or a landlord, I think, the, I think they secretly would quite like somebody that would not argue a point, but question a point. Um, so if, if you if you feel yeah. there's something that needs to be questioned, make sure and question it. Um, and yeah, just again, it's about building up relationships um, with shop 
or we spoke around a few banks um, while we were in the in the application process, and um, I was sort of with a short term plan, a long term plan. There was uh, there was one bank said uh, we don't really we can't really help new entrants, but once you once you get the farm, come back and speak to us. And I thought, well, no, sorry, um, <laughs> you're you're not willing to help a new entrant, but you won't you'd be interested once the business was up and running. So there was a, a, a well, I'm not plugging them, but uh, our bank, our bank is the Clydesdale Bank. And uh, I spoke to a lady at the Clydesdale early on and she was very supportive and helpful and never once sort of doubted anything. Um, she, she questioned some of our plans, but uh, as long as you can back, back them up with evidence, it, I found her a great help, and uh, so we decided to, when we were successful, we went with the Clydesdale, went with that lady as our bank manager, and um, yeah, she's been great. We don't speak very often because we don't need to at the minute, but uh, yeah, I couldn't recommend them highly enough. I think not hearing from them is usually a good thing. <laughs> when you hear from them too often, that there's a isn't there? <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's the thing. It, it's, it's about borrowing sensibly, and it, it's just it's probably not getting carried away with ourselves either. At the end of the day, we're early on the in our journey, so you can't go over committing or going in too deep. You've just got to, yeah, you need to, you need to take a risk, but as long as it's an educated risk and uh, yeah, aye, as, as the business grows, I would imagine borrowings will grow um, just to grow the business even more. So yeah, it's, it's, it's working so far so good. Fantastic. Well, I, th I think it is just absolutely brilliant that, that you guys have got a foot in the ladder, you're in New Farm, you're making vast improvements by the sound of it. So I wish you, Suzanne and the kids, all the um, luck for the future uh, with the farm and especially with going down your dairy journey and establishing your dairy herd as well. So thank you um, for, for speaking to us today, Andrew. No, no problem, Kirsten. Thank you.